For today's year, is a sponsor of the Ilu Nishmas Matisyahu Ben Shleima Zalman and Malka Bas Yisrael Zev. May the Nishamas have an Aliyah and Tzchus of the Lumen Tatera. And if anyone wants to sponsor a future Ashir, you can go to Reb Moshe and he can arrange it for you. <coughs> We're holding on page seventy-six. We're holding two lines from the top. And last week, we spoke at length <coughs> about that which it says in Pirkeiavis, the heavy shval ruach b'fnei kol ha'adam, that you have to be humble before every person, and the way to be humble before every person, regardless of who that person may be, is by being mekayim, another statement in Pirkei which is Don't judge your fellow until you've been in his place because we don't know we can't relate to other people's struggles and as mentioned last week the very fact that we are judging someone else for failing in their struggle that itself is the the biggest proof that you don't have that struggle, because if you had that struggle, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't judge that person. One alcoholic doesn't judge another alcoholic. Even a recovering alcoholic doesn't judge an alcoholic. Now, there's not a, even someone who's struggled with it and has, and has uh, overcome, because he can appreciate the struggle. Only someone who is not an alcoholic, ah, why are you drinking? Uh, with this uh, righteous self-indignation and... Uh, self-righteousness. I have no idea what the struggle is all about. So we have to recognize that we are not in the other person's shoes. We don't have to go through the same struggles that person is going through. And the struggles that that person is going through, whether it's due to nature or due to nurture, whether it's due to uh, uh, his genetic makeup, his unique Yetzirah, or due to environment, due to uh, past traumas, whatever it may be, but every person is unique and we can't judge another person regardless of, uh, of what the person is doing because the core assumption, this we all discussed this last week, the core assumption is that how could you, I would never, that's, that's ridiculous. Now, when you, when you meet someone who has done something wrong and we say, don't judge that person, the typical way, the typical period, the person who's non-judgmental, um, is a person who views everything as um, a, everything is uh, subjective, and therefore uh, you say it's wrong. Maybe it's not wrong. Maybe it's not so wrong. So I see that uh, every person is entitled to make their own choices. In other words, one way of not judging another person is by minimizing the the significance, the the damage the terribleness of that behavior. So if it's not so bad, then, I'm not, then, I don't, then, then I don't judge you that much. And that is not at all what the Alter Rebbe is saying over here. And let's, do, let, let's look at this inside. Two lines on the top of page 76. Even someone who naturally has a very, very heated Yetzirah, and moreover, and not only is this person naturally prone to struggles and to temptations, but then to compound the issue, this person also, his occupation requires him to be on the streets all day, which uh, further uh, incites and instigates him to do Averis. So one, one might think, that okay, we can give this person a pass. This person did it, this person has a very, very strong Yitzhahara, very, very difficult struggles. Added to that is the person is constantly um, put in situations which are very uh, temptation, um, you know, filled with temptations. So Nishkifarlach, I'm not I'm not gonna look down at the person. Why? Because given the context, it's excusable what the person has done. So we're minimizing, we're minimizing that which the person does. Says the Alter Rebbe, absolutely not. Even this person who has a powerful Yitzhahara and powerful temptations and terrible struggles and is put also in compromising situations, 
There's absolutely no excuse. Al Khatov, nothing. He has no excuse for the sins that he has done. Umikri Rasha Gomer. He is a Rasha Gomer, a complete Rasha. Because of the fact that he doesn't have the fear of Hashem before his eyes. He should have controlled himself. And over, you know, and, and been in control and overpowered and ruled over the, the temptations and the tithes of his heart. Due to the fear of Hashem, who uh, sees all his deeds, as will be explained later. As we learned in Peter Yudbeis in chapter 12, the mind by nature has the ability to control the heart. So the fact that you have a heart that seems to be out of control, and the fact that also you're put into difficult situations does not excuse you one iota from having done what you have done, or this person. So when we say don't judge a person, we're not giving the person a pass. And we're not saying that that which the person did isn't terrible and horrendous. What are we saying? So, first of all, the deed is an Avera. There's no excuse for that. And the person is a Rasha. Rasha Gomer. There's no, there's no sugar coating. There's no whitewashing what the person has done. So if that's the case, so back to the original question. So why shouldn't I judge the person? The answer is, yes, that person did a terrible thing. The deed was terrible, and that person is a Russia. But the question is, relative to you, in a vacuum, looking at it, you know, um, objectively, yes, the person is a Russia, and the deed is an Avera. But who is the one who is judging that person? That's you, right? So the question you have to ask yourself is not, is the person a Russia, and not, is the deed um, um, excusable or not? And the answer to the first one is yes, is it Russia? The answer to the second one is no, the deed is not excusable. The question is, do you have the right to judge that person? And for you to judge that person, you have to be able to look at yourself and say, in those areas in my life where I have to have that tremendous struggle a struggle on par which is required of that person. In other words, here's a person who has a very difficult struggle and a very difficult Yitzhara and is put in compromising situations. I can only imagine how difficult it would be for that person to overcome the struggles and to be victorious in those areas. So in those areas in Navaidus Hashem in my life which require that struggle, do I prevail over my Yitzhara? And if the answer is no, then I have no right to look down at that person. Although the person is a Russia, and although that person is, um, and that and Avera is an Avera, that's this is a very very important point, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, doing what what is called kiruv. I wasn't a fan, by the way, of the word kiruv. No. no. What word did he prefer? Uh, being mefitz yados, spreading Yiddishkeit. What do you call it? Hayadus, spreading Yiddish guide, spreading Exodus. Kiruv has a condescending uh, sound to it. Kiruv sounds that like uh, he's far and I'm close. Like a missionary. What? Like a missionary. And who, said you're, who said you're close? Who said he's far? Like, your job is to teach people Torah. The word Kiruv has a certain. Uh, the Rebbe also was very. Uh, did not like the word secular Jews, or in Hebrew, Chilonim. What's this? What do we mean? There's a Jew that's a secular Jew. How is that possible? There should be a Jew who's uh, the word chiloni comes from the word choil. Every every yid is kodesh. Every yid is holy. But when we're we're dealing with people who aren't, uh, we're trying to bring them to learn more Torah, to do more mitzvahs. So we have to be loving and we have to be non-judgmental, as mentioned earlier. As mentioned last week, when you're judgmental, then you absolutely you're putting up a wall that uh, makes it impossible for you to have um, an influence and an impact on the person. But chas that doesn't mean that you're giving the person a pass or that the averus that the person is doing are uh, in any way 
considered excusable. No, no, no. But despite all that, we are not in a position to judge. Why? Because that person and where that person is is due to circumstances which I can't judge that person for. Perhaps that person was born to parents who aren't from. In which case, in which case, um, obviously, then who, how can I judge that person? And if I was in a similar situation, would I be behaving any differently? And let's say the person was born to, to, to from parents and even had a from education upbringing. We all know that most of the people who go off uh, the way of Yiddishkeit, it's not because, um, it's because of, it's because of different personal issues and traumas and social issues and family issues. I'm not, I'm not saying that's true 100% of the time, but in many, many of the times, so who are we to judge people? But again, that means that I can't judge that person. It doesn't mean that objectively the person is excused for anything. An Avera is an Avera, and there's no, there's no sugar coating that. Yes? Based on everything um, you just said, if someone is on the level that they're a tzaddik and they have overcome the struggles of the Russia, then they have to balance it with Israel because if they have the rishus to look down at this other person, it may affect their Israel of the other Jew. I find in this lesson, in this class, not, not today, but in general, there's this fascination with tzaddikim. I have no idea. <laughs> As I mentioned in the past, this is a safe official opinion and talking about us. Alan, Alan, if you are 100%, if after you finish this period, and we're going to talk about the different struggles, you can say that um, you, are, you pass with flying colors all of, these, all of these struggles, then I give you the right to walk out and judge and condescend anyone, okay? I'm not talking for me. Oh, okay. So who are you talking for? understand the, 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 what, what the safer is, is... The only person in this room who's important is you. In terms of... What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only per- when I said you, I, mean, I, was ta- I was talking to every single person over here in the room. But in a singular way. In a singular way. If it applies to you, all's good. Otherwise, it's uh, theoretical. There's... Um, the Rebbe once said that there was someone who once went into the Friedrich Rebbe and he asked him two questions. One was about his Avedis Hashem and one was about the Avedis of Malachim. Question about the Avedis of Malachim. So the Friedrich Rebbe answered him about his Avedis Hashem and said, the Malachim, you'll manage without. You'll manage without the answer. You can probably manage without knowing how the Tzaddikim manage. But I'm sure Tzaddikim don't judge other people. They also fulfill the, the Mishnah. How they go about not judging other people? That's a good question. In other words, they would seemingly have somewhat the right to... Um, to, um, but you know what's interesting is that it says about Moshe Rabbeinu. It says, you know, the Pasuk says we had it a, f- a few weeks ago, Moshe Hayyanov, Mikala Adam, Mashaplaya Adama. So there are a few places in Chsidis Chabad where it says, and there's no mucker for this. There's no mucker outside Chsidis Chabad, which is interesting. In other words, it's like, uh, I don't remember which Rabbi, I think maybe the Mittler Rabbi said it first. He said that why was Moshe so humble? He says that when he saw. In, within his devua, he saw the Yidin of our generation, of Ikvis of the Mashiach, the last generation before Mashiach comes, learning Torah and doing mitzvahs with Messiah Snafesh, that's what made him humble. It's, a, it's amazing. It's, it, it shows just how great the challenges are of our generation and how even Moshe Rabbeinu was humbled. So, um, that's the idea of a tzaddik also can relate to the idea that uh, he doesn't struggle but the other people do struggle and that can also alka Yeah. Um, we're kind of quipping that like if you if you um, didn't have that struggle then you would sort of have the rishus but certain problem apparently not actually let's say a person had none of those struggles and never struggled uh, uh, probably, the Torah probably doesn't give them permission to uh, to judge still even in that case even in that case, you're not giving because you're maybe maybe, maybe because you're not finished. It's not the guy. What? It's not the guy. What? He's saying it's not it's not it's not applicable. People don't. We're talking about people who don't struggle, and it's not. What do you make? Well, now we have struggles. This is the issue. We are going to If it would be, if it would be now, as a the person doesn't struggle, there, there's no such a thing. We struggle. Finish. That's it. What, what if it would be? If it would be. No, what, I think a, this is a significant point. There's no the the, 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 the point I'm making is is not there's no wishes to judge. That's what I'm trying to say. Whether you have a struggle or you don't have a struggle. It's true. What you're saying is true. Because what it says in Pirkei Yavis about judging is correct. Which is what? 
But since we are talking here of Sefer Shalbein, and then we're talking to people who do struggle, and presumably that's all of us, so that's that's what we're focused I mean, on. I'm just saying that under the current, we, we're, in the background, we're saying as if to say that if you didn't struggle, that you would have permission. All I'm trying to if say. If you didn't struggle, then there's another. There, yeah, there's a, there are other ways not to judge other people, but that's not that's not relevant for us. Here I'm saying. Yeah. By the way. <clears throat> Okay, we'll get to this later. Okay, moving on. Vihine be'emes. Eight lines from the top of page 76. Vihine be'emes, in truth, even though <coughs> they were not in any way vindicating or exonerating this person of Dina Vera, but we do have to understand it is an incredibly great and tremendous battle. To break the Yitzhahara, Haboyer Ke'esh Lahava, which burns like a blazing fire. Mimine Pachad Hashem, in other words, to utilize one's fear of Hashem to overcome the Yitzhahara. Ukemoyin Nesoyin Mamish. It's Mamish and Nesoyin. In other words, we have to realize what this person is going through. This person who's, you know, this Kal Shebekalm, this low life we're talking about, that person is failing, but we have to understand that for the, the struggle this person is going through is Mamish like a Nesoyin. The Hilkach, and therefore, Tzarich Kal Adam, every single person, Lefim Masher Vol Mekaymi, Madregah Seibavedas Hashem, relative to his or her own level in a service of Hashem, every single person is to Lishkoil Velivchein Ba'atzmai, to weigh himself and test himself, Imhu Oyved Hashem, and ask himself, and ask himself, am I serving Hashem? Be'erech u'bechinas mochama atzuma kazu, in a way, with such a battle, the nesoyin kazah and this kind of nesoyin. In other words, in those areas of Ma'avayda Hashem that require a battle, a battle which is as difficult as and and par with the battle that that person has to. Yeah, so that person's battle is to eat a, is whether or not to eat a cheeseburger. That person's battle is whether or not to kill a person. That person's battle might be in the lowest areas. But then the day I have to look at myself and say I have to compare apples to apples. I can't say, oh, I don't kill people, you do. That's apples and oranges. I don't have the struggle in that area, you do. The apples to apples is, where's my struggle? Where is your struggle? So I, in those areas where I have to struggle, on this level of, of struggle, how am I doing in those areas? And it's going to start off, let's start off with talking about doing the right thing. In other words, doing, in the area of doing, not, not, not about doing Averis, but the, the struggles that we have to have in the areas of Vasetev and doing what's right. Kigoyin, for example, Bavid It's interesting, this is his first example that he brings. When it comes to davening, he's not talking about the struggle whether or not to daven. But the struggle to daven bikavana. I think we all can relate to this. The struggle to daven with concentration. Lishpeich nafshay lefnei Hashem, to pour out one's soul before Hashem, bechol koichay mamish, with all one's strength, ad mitzui hanefesh, literally until, until the neshama goes out. Or not literally, but ulihilachimim uh, gufay to do battle with one's body, venefshabahamishaboy, and the person's nefshabahamis, hamoinim hakavana, that try to impede the kavana. And this requires, to do this, to have kavana requires a tremendous ka'afar, And it's necessary to, uh, to de- decimate and to crush the guf of the nefshah Bahamas. Ka'afar, like dirt, to make it like earth. Before davening, shachris va'arvis, morning and night, every single day. That's before davening. Before davening, to take the time to put oneself in the emotional and spiritual state, as will be explained later on in Perik uh, in Perik Membeis, what this means. And vegam b'shasat filan during davening liyageya atzmei to toil biyigias nefesh biyigias basar a toil of the soul, a toil of the body, as will be explained later on at length. 
and anyone who has not yet reached this level. To do this incredible battle with the body every single day, morning and night during davening. So you have not yet reached to the to the to the to the caliber of that mulchama against the Yitzhara Habayir which is burning like a blazing fire in that low life, to be to be uh, subjugated and broken before the fear of Hashem. So that's one example. How do you do this all? How do you do this all? Yeah. You're saying it's too difficult. I don't know how you go about to go. Is, 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 that the, is, that, is that the issue that you need a, a, a user's manual? You need know, A, B, C, D? In other words, your question, how do you do it? Is it, look, just tell me how and I'll do it? Or it's too hard to do it. What are you saying? Both. Both? Okay. So the technique we'll get to later. But in terms of the how can I do it, how hard it is, I want you to understand that that person who you're judging for what they've done, they have that same attitude about that, what they're doing wrong. How? How can I, how do I win that struggle? Like Good. So, but, but the point is that just like you have your struggle and you say how, they have their struggle and they say how. So, how do you judge such a person? Good. I can't even judge myself. What kind of mitzvah is this? No, no, you saw you a lot of judges. What kind of mitzvah is this? My tefillah is only a boon, you know? It's not actually reached that way. You have to do it such an amazing thing. Hold your question. We'll get there. And the same thing is when it comes to Birch HaSamazan. I think that when it comes to davening, so, you know, it's more uh, normal to get yourself, you know, psyched up and in the emotional place necessary. But, you know, Birch HaSamazan, just after you're finished eating, um, sitting by, it's not, it's not, it's usually not the most conducive place to suddenly start having a major kavana. The Chol Birchshanan and all the brachas that we make, you know, the birchsa, all the all the brachas we make on foods, or other or other pleasures that we have, and birchas hamitzvahs bekavana, the einzarach leimar, and we don't, do we even need to mention kavana hamitzvahs lishman? When you're doing a mitzvah, actually doing the mitzvah and having kavana while you're doing the mitzvah, that is lishma. Next struggle. The next struggle is when it comes to learning Torah. To learn much more than what you naturally desire to learn based on your nature and based on your habit. Which again, this requires this again requires a tremendous with one's body. If you're only learning a little more than what your th- th- than your nature, in other words, you're pushing yourself. But if you're only pushing yourself a little, that's nice. You know, you get ten points, but that's only a little battle. You can't compare that to the Muhammad Yitzhara of that person who you're trying to judge. that's burning like fire, the Mikri that person will be called a Rashagamur. If he doesn't overcome his Yitzhahara, to be broken and humbled with Hashem before Hashem. Now, you can say to yourself, sorry? Could it be his fault that he, that he landed in this situation? Maybe he just didn't see, didn't, didn't see himself sliding and sliding. So now I'm blaming him for becoming, for becoming that way to begin with. So you're blaming him not for his struggle today, but for the struggle that he had 15 years ago. What's the difference? Yeah. Oh, so, but now we have a question. Okay, so you're telling me that I can't judge the person because we're both, we're both struggling, we're both battling. But there's a difference. That person is eating non-kosher. That person is a ganif. That person is partially doing things that you're not allowed to do. They're all in the area of surmira. And me, I've never done anything wrong. Theoretically. <laughs> you're telling me that when I dive in, I don't have enough kavana. You tell me that I'm learning. Yeah, I, I do learn. But it's only, 
It's only, I'm learning a little more than what, I'm pushing myself a little, I'm not pushing myself a lot. So how do you make that comparison? Says What is the difference, Surmira or All of this, all of this is the commandment of the King, the Holy One, So it equates to the that ultimately they're not that different. They're just two ways to get to the same place. We've been through this before. We 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 talked about this before, but just to, to repeat. In mitzvahs, there are two there are two parts to mitzvahs. There are two uh, mitzvahs exist. On, mitzvahs exist on two planes, on two levels. On one level, we say that mitzvahs are there to benefit us. The matter says, they're there to refine us. Every mitzvah we do has a benefit. Conversely, every Aveda that is done um, causes damage. And from that perspective, so mitzvahs and Avedas, are, some are more important, some are less important. And obviously you can't compare a person who is busy going and stealing and killing and the face and the, the being, doing every Aveda to me who is just... Uh, who pushes, who, you know, that my problem is only that I learn, but I only push myself to learn a little more than my nature, and I don't push myself a lot, or I don't have enough kavana. There's no question that the damage that that person is doing is um, much greater than the damage that I'm doing and the mitzvahs I'm doing are definitely, you know, outweigh that which that person is doing. So that's, uh, that's true on one, on one level, on one plane, that's one perspective. On another level, however, mitzvahs are Hashem's ratzim, they're Hashem's will. On that level, Torah is kadma lo'elam. You know, we talk about Torah, Torah preceded the world. What does that mean that Torah precedes the world? What does that mean? It doesn't mean time-wise because there was no time before the world was created. When we say that Torah precedes the world, it means that conceptually it perceives the world. It's higher than the world. Torah mitzvahs are not there for the purposes of the world. They're not there, but the, the opposite way around. The world was created for mitzvahs. On that level, we can't say that the mitzvahs are there to benefit us. Because when we say the mitzvahs are there to benefit us or to harm us, that means that Hashem created a world, and created people, and He said, oh. And again, when I say then, you know, first this and that, I don't, mean, I don't mean in time, I'm talking conceptually. First he decided he wants a world and he wants people, and then he said, hey, but these people need rules, they need laws. They need, they, they need to be kept in the straight and, 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 and steady. Um, so therefore, here are the laws. In that case, the world precedes Torah, because the Torah is there for the, for the benefit of us and to make sure that everything is done properly and that we do what's right and don't do what's wrong. If the Torah precedes the world, that means that Hashem had a desire. The desire was that we should put on tefillin, that we should give tzedakah, we should put up a mezuzah, we should keep Shabbos, we shouldn't eat kosher, uh, um, um, we shouldn't eat non-kosher. And he created the world in order to be able to actualize those desires. But there is no reason for Hashem's mitzvahs. There's no reason. It's all Hashem's ratzim. And actually the words that he uses in Tanya, hakoli mitzvahs hamelach hakadosh. These are the decrees the mitzvahs are the king who is Kaddish, who is completely removed and above and beyond the world. So on that level, there is no difference between this kind of mitzvah, and that kind of mitzvah, this kind of Avera, and that kind of Avera. At that level, there's one simple level, there's one simple question. At this moment, are you bottled to Hashem? Are you doing what Hashem wants? Or are you right now giving into Yitzhahara? Now that could take many forms. You can be doing because there are many ways to do what Hashem wants. There are many ways to give into Yitzhahara, but those are details. Those are all details. The main thing isn't the, the, the form in which the being bottled Hashem takes. It's not which mitzvah you're doing. And it makes no difference in which way you're violating Hashem's will. The question is, it's like, are you with, you're, you're with us or you're against us? Are you right now bottled Hashem or you're not bottled Hashem? That person, that low life, when they do, when they're doing their their they're not bottled Hashem. 
They're not doing mitzvahs Hashem. They're not doing what Hashem wants of them at that moment. Which means they're being independent. They're not bottle. When you're davening and you're not having enough kavana, you're also not doing what Hashem wants you to do. You're giving into your nefshah mahamas. You're not being bottle. So on a deeper level, what's the difference? I mean, this is the, base, the, the basics of Tanya, which we've discussed many times. On the deepest level, all, of li- all, all the life of a Yid, there's a question, you know, today in the in digital age, you have all these, um, you know, you look at a computer screen or, or a digital uh, monitor, anything that's digital, or your phone call, which is all, everything you're hearing is digital. Some of you probably remember analog phones or, uh, or um, you know, on television, the radio had antennas, right? Okay, the radio still does, actually, right? But the um, television, all television already now is, no such thing as uh, antennas. So what is digital? What? No, a few years ago, they phased it up. If you, you don't have, you don't have, uh, if you have just a television antenna, you don't get anything today. Okay, so everything is antenna, but digital, uh, Okay, but today digital phone, everything is digital. What is digital? The word di- comes from the word digit, right? Zeros. Everything zeros or ones, right? <laughs> so you're watching this this video, a Jewish video, obviously, right? And all these colors and voice sounds and everything, and it boils down to everything. It's either a zero or it's a one. It's a and what's the hirab of Hashem from the, 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 the digitalization of society? It's that ultimately everything is either a zero or a one. Either you're a zero. That's a good thing. That means you bottle Tashem. No, no, no. Either you're a zero, which means you bottle Tashem, which means at this moment, or you're a one. You're a Matthias. Okay, or you, you could say it all the way around. Either you're a one, you're connected to the one, or you're, or, or you're a zero. Whichever way you want to look at it. But the, the point remains. So, the, what you're doing at this moment is not relevant. It's not the what, it's what's behind it. At this moment, you're eating, you're drinking, you're sleeping, you're doing a mitzvah. At this moment, are you doing what Hashem wants or not? That's what life boils down to. Is it a zero or is it a one? Are you doing what Hashem wants or not? So you're getting hung up and saying, that person's Aveda, which the person did, is a worse Aveda. My Aveda, is a, it makes no difference. It makes no difference. If you are not doing what Hashem wants at this moment, so Mali, as the Al-Tabah says, Mali bechines sumirah, Mali bechines vasetah. Weiter, four lines on the top. V'chein b'shar mitzvah is the same, is true when it comes to all other mitzvahs. In other words, the struggle we find in other mitzvahs. U'befrat b'davash v'mamen, especially as we all know the struggle when it comes to financial things. K'moy avaydes ha-tzedakah, k'hai gavna, the struggle to give tzedakah properly. Which as we know, it's a... Uh, we have to give tzedakah, and we have to give a lot of tzedakah, and we have to give like um, the Gemara, I don't remember the details now, but the Gemara, I didn't think of this when I was preparing the class, but it uh, came to my mind that um, the daughter of who is the one who, uh, who was digging wells always for the people in Yerushalayim? Not in Nuchunyakana. I don't remember. I remember the name now. But, sorry, what? No. There was a very, very big Baltzlaka. I don't remember the name right now. What? Maybe Nakim Ben-Gurion. Maybe that's what it was. The name is slowly escaping me right now. But there's, and, and during the Churban Abayis, so her job was, I'll, I'll find the Makra, next week I'll tell you the, the Gemara where it is, that, that, that she used to go into, out of hunger, she was. She used to um, collect kernels of uh, of grain out of animal uh, animal feces. What? What? Might be in the And yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you remember the name of the person? And why? And the Gemara says because the father didn't give to, didn't give it tzedakah. What do you mean the father didn't give tzedakah? What? Was not Ben Gurion. Yeah. What do we mean? He was a tremendous. Yeah, yeah. I forgot her name. 
So there's a tremendous Baltzak, and the Gemara says it's true. He didn't give um, commensurate what? His fair share, right? To what he could have given. Yeah. What he could have given. It's a tremendous Baltzak, but it, when it comes to Avodah Sasadaka, it's a very, it's a very big struggle to give to and. Um, to give tzedakah and, and, and when, when we're asked in a prompt way and with a smile and to give also as much as taka we could give and I think we, we definitely mentioned a previous occasion when, the, when someone, a wealthy person once asked the Rebbe how much taka he has to give give till it hurts and the Rebbe answered you have to give till it hurts right if it doesn't hurt you haven't given yeah so you notice over here that um, that the Alter Rebbe gives over here three examples he gives examples of davening and he gives an example of, the, of, of learning Torah, an example of tzedakah, which is the three uh, general, um, three things, the world stands on, so we have a tzedakah, which is milz chasadim, and Torah, and avayda, which is avayda satfila. And now the Alter is going to say, the truth is, even in Surmira, so every single wise person can find by himself is not completely left completely in a place where you need a mulchama again on the level of that mulchama which that person who you want to judge is having you note the words over here so Makel Mikel Koel is a reference to three of us. Right? By Avram it says, Hashem Beirach as Avram Ba'koel. And Mikoel is that Yitzhak said, Va'echel Mikoel. And Yaakov it says the word Koel, right? What did he say? He told the Esau, Yeshli Koel. So we, before, remember, we said there were three examples of Tayyar Avedig Mils Chasadim. The three of us also represents the three Kafim, Tayyar Avedig Mils Chasadim. Yeah, Avram was Mils Chasadim. And Yitzhak was Avedah. And Yaakov was. He was Torah. So we have also in Surmira also you have in the three kavim, the three different um, general uh, categories of mitzvahs. So, so when you need to have a real mulchama, we don't always make the mulchama. Even when the mulchama doesn't require such a great, even if it doesn't require such a great mulchama. Examples, for example, to stop in the middle of a pleasant conversation, a sipur or a story, bignus chaverei, about uh, which is somewhat derogatory to someone else. We're not talking here about lashon hara mamish, but uh, so you're talking about someone, you're speaking about someone, and the conversation is not so complimentary to the person. Even if it's a very you know a small, it's not a big deal. And it's true. Let's stop over here. Uh, we all know. We all know how difficult it is. You're, you're talking with a friend. You're schmoozing. You're talking about a certain person. Conversation takes a turn. It's derogatory. We're not talking about saying nasty things about another person. Uh, have to bring examples. <laughs> we all know. And he's saying something, and it's not the nicest thing. And it's true. To stop in the middle of the conversation and say, stop, I can't do that. It's a very big mulchama. We all know it sounds simple, it sounds easy, but it's not. It's a big mulchama. And then what? You'll make an enemy if you stop the conversation. Time to get new friends. And sometimes you're saying this about another person to actually to vindicate yourself. It's an interesting story. Rabbi Shimon told Avi Rabbeinu Hakadosh, told his father Rabbeinu Hakadosh, Yehuda I did not write this. Yehuda, the tailor, wrote it. What's the background to the story? So the Gemara says there's a Perik uh, in Baba Basra, which a part of it is devoted to a din called a get mekusher. Anyone heard of a get mekusher? A, a get, which is a tied-up get. It's a very, very complicated. An ornate get. Basically, it's a get that's written just like an accordion. So you write, you write one line, and then you fold it over, and then the witness sign on the back over here, and then you you sew that part together. Okay, and then you write the next line over here, 
fold it over again, the witness is signed over here, and you sew it again, and every, every line you fold it over, witness is signed the other side, and then you sew it together. It's a complicated get, it obviously takes much more time to write and to do than a normal get, and it's also not only complicated practically, but there are also many, many halachas about how a get like this sort should be written, and it has um, to make sure that it's, that it's valid, because you're writing the edim on the back side. It's not, it's not a usual, it's not just simple a matter. A lot of halachas involved. What's the, What's the purpose of this? So in ancient times, in times of the Mishnah, times of the Gemara, it's not clear exactly when this practice ended. Kuihanim, if a koyin wanted to divorce his wife, he would write for her a get mekusher. And why is that? So there's a combination of uh, several factors over here. Factor number one is the kehanim are angry people. And kehanim over here. You're a koyin. That's right. As they say, kehanim kasanamim. Kehanim are angry people. Short tempered. Yeah, what? You're going to make him angry. Make angry. <laughs> no, I, I'm part of the fraternity also, so. Uh, You're a koyin also. I'm a koyin also, yeah. people have short temper. Short temper. That's number one. So that's factor number one. Factor number two is that a koyin cannot marry a divorcee, and that includes his own wife. If he divorces his own wife, he's not allowed to remarry his own wife. Factor number three is that until a thousand years ago, until the times of Rabbeinu Gershom, a person was allowed to divorce his wife without her consent. In other words, he gave her the, a get, whether she agreed to or not. What? Yeah. And that was, uh, that was considered a get. So therefore, Chazal were concerned like this. The Koyin is going to come home one night and he'll find that his wife made the face vegetable soup instead of carrot soup like he likes it, like he requested in the morning. The wife forgot. And the husband is a Koyin. is going to get all angry. He's going to run to the cipher and he's going to write up a get. And he's going to give it to his wife, no, Whether, against right? She's going to say, "I don't want it. I, I'm sorry. I forgot. I, I didn't know you forgot about the carrot soup order." And then three hours later, he's going to, uh, you know, calm down a little, and then he's really going to start crying into his soup, you know, to follow that. Uh, what, what, uh, what kind of mistake I made? I divorced my wife, and it's too late. And there's nothing he can do about it. Right. So Ham said, "What are we going to do?" We're going to make the koyin, yeah, we're going to slow down the process. So the get, which a koyin has to write, is a whole long process. With the hope being that by the time the get is written, which presumably takes, not a, it takes a special professional, it can't be done by any cipher, and it takes a long time, by that time the koyin will have cool. calmed down, and uh, maybe his wife will have convinced him to join her in a marriage therapy session, and al says shalom al yisrael, and the get isn't needed anymore. Now, again, these three factors are all important because if the Koyan weren't angry people, then it wouldn't be a big deal, right? And also, if the Koyan could be able to remarry his divorced wife, then once again, it's a big deal. So he'll divorce her. And three hours later, when you realize it's a mistake, so you have, a, you have, another, you have another simcha to celebrate. And also, the, so I, didn't, I, I looked into this. I didn't find anyone saying this specifically, but it would seem that the Chayrim, the Rabbeinu Gershim, made this uh, get Mekusher obsolete and unneeded because now, if the husband comes home with the get and says to his wife, I'm divorcing you because you gave me the vegetable soup, the wife says, sorry, not taking the get. So let's wait two, three days, right? And therefore, so the, the whole point, the whole purpose seems to have been uh, obviated ever since then. The get is possible? I mean, if you're going to give a get, you're not supposed to, you're not allowed to do it, but what if you do it? That it's invalid? It's a good question. I don't know. Stam, on the side, I once saw a letter from the Rebbe where the Rebbe says, Avart, we know that Rabbeinu Gershon, he has a unique title. There's no one else who... Rabbeinu Gershon, Ma'ir HaGuela. The one, the light of the diaspora, the one who lights up the Golos. No, no one else has a Wazicha to a similar title. So last episode, I mean, the Gershon Meir Agoyla Dafka by him. So he says, we know that Magid Varav Liyakev Hukav Mishpatav Liyisrael that Hashem observes all the mitzvahs that we have, that He that He has given us, including those mitzvahs that are mitzvahs derabanan and gzeres derabanan. 
So when we're in Golos, we know that we, the us and Hashem, are ish v'isha, we're husband and wife. So the Takanas of Ravina Gershem, they light up our Golos because they console us, because we realize that number one, Hashem can't divorce us against our will. No matter what happens in Golos, no matter what the Madriga of Kali Yisrael is, He is stuck with us. That's number one. And also that he can't take another nation. He can't marry two wives. So if Hashem says, okay, I'm stuck with you. But let me also, I'm going to, you know, I'll try out the Venezuelans. You know, he can't do that either because you're not allowed to take more than one wife. So, Kaviyachal Hashem uh, is stuck with us. And that is Iftu, uh, that is an accomplishment of Rabbeinu Gershon because of his Gzera. Anyways, back to, so what happened was that there was once by, by Shir, Rebbe, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, the editor of the Mishnah was sitting, and someone brought before him a get Mekusha. And he looked at it and he found a slight mistake in the get, which is not, is not a big deal. When I say it's not a big deal, that means it's, um, it's very complicated. It's not, uh, it doesn't, it's not, no, it's, not ma'akiv. it's not a big embarrassment for the one who wrote it. So he made a little mistake. It wasn't, uh, it's very complicated halachas. Now, Rebbe thought that his son had written it, this get, his son Rebbe Shimon. So Rebbe Shimon turned to his father and told him, Lava no kasve. I didn't write it. Ella Yehuda chayta kasve. It was written by Yehuda the tailor. And his father tells him, Stop, stop speaking Lashon Hara. So here, again, this is an example of something which is a, a small genai, it's not a big deal. And it was, and it's MS. And it was said, he said it to, to, to vindicate himself. And, and his father told him, that's not, the way, that's not the way we speak. And it says also, the Al-Tarebbe adds in, he said, There was also even an element of Kibodov over here. Because he knew that his father was pained. By the fact that he, by his perception that he, that he had written that get, his own son. So it was even an element of Kibodov. And still the Rabbi said, there's no way you could talk like that. And uh, this is very common. Very, very common. Whether in the workplace or whether in the home. And uh, uh, why, did, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Me? What are you talking? Me? Uh, him? Right? Spouse walks in. Why is the kitchen in a mess? Uh, me? Me? <laughs> I, did, I cleaned up after supper. Uh, what? You, you, have, you have to be. Oh, yeah. name was the he could, yeah. You can't yeah. say anything yeah. to indicate either way. It's a whole art to do this. It's not easy. It's something which is important also to teach our children. I know in my house we have a rule that um, <clears throat> I never listen. In other words, if one kid says something about another kid, it's like ignored. It's like it doesn't. Not heard. No, and the kids know that. I don't, I, I'm not interested in hearing. It's a it's a midarah. It's a midarah to uh, even if it's there to uh, to vindicate. Say you didn't do it. That's all I want to hear. I don't want to hear anything else. But now according to the statement, you shouldn't say they didn't do it. <laughs> no. The, why not? You could say you didn't do it. Yeah. If there's only two people, then there's what? Can't say someone else. There's only two people. Hey, if there's two people there, then there's a good shaila for a rav. In other words, by you saying you didn't do it, uh, automatically, no, but here you said, he said the name, Allah Yehuda Chaita Kasvi, he says, I didn't write it, Yehuda Chaita wrote it. He said the name, yeah, yeah. Then he says, Ayin Shom, take a look over there, because Marar Ish Peri Gyudu Baba Basra. There's actually another story he brings down over there, and it says, it's a similar type of story that Rabbi was once reading from a Sefer Tehillim. Except in those days, he didn't have Sefer Tehillim, it was a... A written scroll, a parchment. And Rabbi said, Ah, look how beautiful. It's written so beautifully. So his son Rabbi Shimon says, oh, and, and, and again, Rabbi thought that his son had written it. And again, he said, The son said, kasve. I didn't write it. Yehuda Chaita Kasve. It was again written by the same Yehuda Chaita. So again, Rabbi told him, Klach Mulashon Hara. Go away from Lashon Hara. What's the good news? He's giving a Right, right. So if you look, you look in Rambam, you learn in There's something called avak lashon hara, and avak lashon hara is that if you say something nice about someone in front of a large crowd, and that includes also people who don't like the person, what you cause is you're causing that other people should ah no, it's not so nice. Take a look over here. You made a mistake. Capital lament. So therefore, sometimes it's better. But it just goes to show how careful we have to be 
when we're speaking, that sometimes even when you're saying something which is a, a good thing, you have to always consider in the company that I'm in, is that could that shvach, can that praise that I'm that I'm giving, can yeah, can that trigger of someone to say something bad? In which case, I also would take responsibility for that. And it's just examples. There are many other such examples. The shchichi tuva, things that are very common. That there are struggles that we don't uh, we, we don't come out victorious in. and especially especially when it comes to the idea of kadesh something which we discussed at length in Perik Chavzayin in chapter twenty-seven, sanctifying our oneself, ourselves and being holy. Um, even in those areas that are permitted. Which is mentioned, according to the Ramban, which means, the Pasuk says, to be holy. Now this is definitely an area of Surmira. If a person indulges in an area which is not necessary, so that's the area of Surmira. And even if you're going to say that there are other opinions that hold the Kadesh Asma that the idea of sanctifying oneself and abstaining even in those areas which are permitted, so the others who say that it's not let's make a difference. The words of the Chachamim are even more stringent than the words of the Torah. Ella bought. Shakal elu with, regard, with regards to all these things, and anything similar to them. These are from the that a person steps on, tramples with his heel. and then they become. It's almost as if they're permitted. because we've done them once and twice and repeated it, etc. So the Rebbe has uh, laid out his case because in case you needed help jogging your memory and finding different areas in your life where you're not struggling the way you should have, the Rebbe gave you examples. So we're not being judgmental anymore. The problem is that all these cheshbainas, all these calculations and all these thoughts that we have, they put me on par with every other person. I see another per- the person that might seem that person is a much bigger Russia than me and does a virus, but if you consider this struggle against a struggle, right? Apples to apples, you realize you're on par. But if I'm on par to the other person with the other person, then why does the Mishnah say the heavy ruach with Adam that I should be humble before every person? ruach means I view myself as lower. Okay, so you told me that even though I see this person as a low life and absolutely does these depraved things, I cannot condescend, I cannot consider myself higher or better or greater than that person. Okay, I'm a Kabbal, I accept. al Rebbe made a convincing argument. But why am I lower than that person? What makes me lower? And that was the question, if you remember, last week that we began with. If you are a person who's a knowledgeable person, you're Yudea Sefer. And you hold dear the Torah of Hashem, and you desire the closeness of Hashem. Then in that case, your sin is greater than what can be than when you can bear. And your guilt is greater, doubled and redoubled. The fact that you're not battling Yitzhahara, even though Taka requires that incredible battle, as mentioned earlier, your guilt is so much greater than the guilt of that low life. Who uh, sits on the street corners, who are distant from Hashem and His Torah. So therefore, they can't be blamed so much. That they don't control their Yitzhahara, which burns like a blazing fire due to the fear of Hashem. 
that sees all of their actions, their guilt is not as great. Ka'ashmas kol hakarev, hakarev al Hashem, as is the guilt of the one who is close to Hashem, vel teirati vavidase into Hashem's teira, into Hashem's service. So, you're not, in your struggles, you're not succeeding. That lowlife is not succeeding in his struggles. Who is more guilty? You. What do you expect from him? He's a lowlife. You sit, you daven, you learn. You know, uh, in um, in Sluchas. So one of the things that we say, we say Sluchas on the Kippur, we say, um, Don't cast us away from before you. And don't take away from us your Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh. So I once heard from a chassid, he asked, we're saying, don't take it away. Maybe you've already taken it away. How, in other words, we're, we're starting off the, with an assumption that we have it. We ask Hashem, don't cast us away. Maybe he already has cast us away. We're assuming that right now we're still before Hashem, and right now we have the Ruach, whatever that means, and we're asking, you know, don't cast us away and don't take away the Ruach, how do we know we have it? So he answered, if you're in Shul for Slichus, that means that you still have it. If you didn't have it, you wouldn't be saying those. In other words, the fact that you're in shul and you're saying sluchas, you can still say If you're sitting here and learning this Peter Kintanya, then you are more guilty than that low life on the street. It's gonna scare people away from coming. <laughs> yeah, so maybe I should be on the street. Maybe I should be okay. Why, why am I bothering? That's what Shlaima Malach says. Shlaima Malach says Yosef Das Yosef the, the more Yosef Machoiv, Machoiv, pain. Hey, hey, the, more the, the, more, the more you know, the more knowledge comes with pain, yeah. Absolutely. Life. And you can say, what do I need it for? Right? You can say that. So if you if 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 that's what life is all about, then go go become that low life and see how that works out for you. Tell me, tell me if you're happy afterwards. Um, and that's the, the bottom line is. It's not all equal in life. It's not. There are, there are higher expectations from some people than from others. As Chazal tells us regarding Acher, that the reason why that he was so uh, considered unredeemable because he knew, he knew me, he knew my honor. So therefore you can't compare the guilt of Stam and the Yid who was an apostate to the guilt of Acher, because he was a he was a Tana, he was a God Mira God will be Israel. Velchen Amr Razal, that's why Chazal say Al Amiya Aretz, Shizdainas Naslam Kishkog, it says him Sakhlas Yuma, that Ama Aretz, even Averi, does on purpose, the Abishtah considers it as if he did it by mistake. Very important, Maimir Razal. Why? Because what does it mean that he did it on purpose? That he knew that you're not allowed to do it. That's called doing it on purpose. A, 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 a yid who isn't from, never was from. And he's Mechal Shabbos. Is that called B'mezid? No. But what do you mean? He knows. He knows that it says in the Torah, you're not allowed to drive on Shabbos. He, in Hebrew school, when he was a conservative Hebrew school, when he was, when he was 12, he, he, he learned it. So why is it not B'mezid? Because B'mezid doesn't mean only that you're aware that it's forbidden. But you have to have also some sort of uh, appreciation. And I'm an artist who doesn't have an appreciation, and therefore, in Bezim Shalmaila, every Aveda, even those they do on purpose, it's as if they did it by mistake. Why? Because of Taka. You know, the truth is, we say that in the. Uh, and then also, you keep it right. Slachna laveina amazeh. No, what's the last one? Not Tapasik. Kichalo ambishgaga, right? What's the first part? Kichalo ambishgaga. What do you mean, Kichalo ambishgaga? Because there's no question that anyone over here, if we really knew what an Avera was, we would never do an Avera. Would we jump into a fire? We don't jump into a fire. If anyone here had any clue what an Avera was, we'd never do an Avera. And if we knew what a really, what, really what a mitzvah is, 
we would do every mitzvah. So therefore, l'chol am bishgaga. Essentially, every time a yid does an avera, it's bishgaga. However, you can't. There, there are levels of the shgaga. Someone is ama aretz. In other words, to a certain extent, every avera is a shgaga. Like it's impossible otherwise. But there, but there, there, there are degrees. There are degrees. And the more you know, it's not only the more you know in knowledge, but, the, but as he says, the more you desire relationship with Hashem, the more, the more, the more what? The more you internalize. The more you internalize, then the Abishter has higher expectations from you. So therefore, you fail in your struggles. The Lola fails in his struggles. Your guilt is greater. So the heavy yeah. Even before that low life, you could look at him and say, okay, he struggles, I struggles. Who's more guilty? Well, I am. So with this, we have finished the Patriarch about and before we begin next week, we will um, uh, we'll recap with the larger structure and where we're holding and how this entered over here and how we will move into the next Patriarch. Um, have a good Shabbos, everyone. Shabbos. See you next time next week. Shabbos.